Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, you're listening to the Five Minute Talk Show with Phil Iazetta. We're bringing you today's best comedy and entertainment personalities. Now, your host, Phil Iazetta. Gentleman Jerry Cooney joining us on the hotline. Gentleman Jerry, a contender in the ring, a champion in recovery is the name of the book coming out in June. You can get that on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, anywhere books are sold. Now, Jerry, let's rewind back to 1981. One of my first real memories of professional boxing, you defeated Ken Norton in 54 seconds in the first round Quickest knockout in MSG history, is that right? Well, yeah, you know, it was. And the funny thing was that, you know, uh, Dwayne Bobbick was running around because the year before, or two years before, some Norton knocked him out in 58 seconds. And he was running around saying he beat my record, he beat my record. But, yeah, I, and, you know, I, I, that was Mandingo. I thought I was in for a 10-round war. I always liked when the bell rang. I liked to touch the guy, let him feel my power. And when I did, I seen I hit him with a right hand to the body, and he kind of buckled a little bit. Yep. And it felt so good that I spun him into the corner. And, and once I caught up with his weaving and caught up with a nice uppercut, it was all over. Well, Jerry, you could visibly tell that Norton was stunned. I haven't seen him stunned like that ever, as a matter of fact. And I think it was referee Tony Perez, who was with you guys in the ring at the time, do you think he stopped a little bit too late? Because a couple of those shots... You know, people underestimate your power. You're one of the hardest hitters ever from the left side in boxing history. Foreman said it. A lot of guys have said it who've been in the ring with you. Do you think Tony Perez waited just a little too long to stop that? Well, you know what? I kind of could tell he was sleeping. On the, his, his, his ass was sitting on, on the second rope. And every time I came around, I looked at Tony Perez, and, and he wasn't saying anything. And it felt pretty good at the time, so I went back the other way. And I, in, in all the papers the next morning in New York, it said four punches from death, and I believed that. And uh, I was glad that he did step in when he did, because in the moment, you can't stop as a fighter. You're the adrenaline's flying, you're into it, you are landing these shots, and you want to finish them off. Gentlemen, Jerry Cooney joining us on the 5-Minute Talk Show Hotline on the Believe Podcast Network. Now, Jerry, the million-dollar question here, the biggest fight, perhaps, of your career, the Holmes fight. Why was it that you only had three minutes in the ring over 25 months prior to that fight? If you just want to sentence a boxer to death, that's the way to do it. I mean, they literally, your management did, horrible management, by the way, they allowed you to get ring rust uh, when you shouldn't have. You should have been fighting through that time, don't you think? Well, I think that what they were, they wanted that big payday and they were more concerned with that payday than getting me the experience that I needed and trusting the process so that when I got a shot at Holmes, I would have more, you know, more, more experience with different styles. You know, like right. I, I remember I used to work with Timmy Witherspoon in the gym. We worked with him a little bit in the gym early on. And those kinds of experiences are the things that fighters need coming up. And, you know, I guess they saw it as a way for a big payday. And, uh, and, uh, you know, and that's what happened. And, and then I got hurt. I tore my rotator cuff, training for that fight. So then it got postponed another couple of months. So it was a regular uh, a nightmare, really. But uh, anyway, we had a great night. I, I loved every minute of it. I mean, walking out of that dressing room to 35,000, 32,000 people, 
standing up and cheering was not a bad place to be. That was in the parking lot, and they built a 32 or 33,000-seat stadium in the back parking lot. It was great. It was the greatest, you know, feeling in the world to be. And all I cared about was so angry about the racism and all that stuff going on. I just wanted to hit home, but I didn't care. I wanted to hit him with a solid shot. And, uh, you know, and then what happened is we, we were in the center of the ring, and Mills Lane is giving us instructions. And right before the bell rings, Holmes looks at me and says, let's have a good fight. And that's what heavyweight boxing championships were all about. That that was the, the words I needed, and then I got into the fight. Jerry, knowing what you know now and the way everything was manipulated before that fight, do you feel that race cheapened that fight? I mean, Don King manipulated everybody there, creating something that wasn't there. It was a race war that was created out of something between two athletes, two pugilists, so to speak. Why did Don King insist on making it a race thing when it was actually a guy who was beloved in the New York area in you? I mean, we loved you, Jerry, back in the day. Uh, you were like New York's favorite son. Why did it have to be a race thing? Don King sort as a way to make dollars and the hate. And little did he know that, you know, uh, the Ku Klux Klan was involved and Holmes got his mailbox blown up. I mean, it was a really, a, a really distasteful, uncomfortable situation. There was 10, there were snipers up in the, uh, up in, uh, in Caesar's house on the roof watching if there was going to be any kind of problems. I mean, it was really crazy. I and mean, we had 10 bodyguards went around with us every day. And it was really uh, uh, very distasteful. But like I said, when Holmes looked at me and shook my hand and said, let's have a good fight, that's what boxing, heavyweight boxing is about. It's time to get out to Jackie the Joke Man Martling for Jackie's Joke of the Week. Guy meets a girl in a the bar. They go back to her apartment, go in her bedroom. One wall, the entire wall's fluffy toys. Left to right, floor to ceiling, fluffy toys, fluffy toys, fluffy toys. They get done, he says, how was I? She says, take anything from the bottom shelf. <laughs> For more Jackie Martling, go to jokeland.com. Gentlemen, Jerry Cooney joining us on the hotline. One of my favorites inside or out of the ring. I'm telling you, this guy was responsible for some of the best times of my childhood. Check out the book, Gentleman Jerry, A Contender in the Ring, A Champion in Recovery. Talk to us about FIST, the Fighters Initiative program that you set up. You and a bunch of athletes made a huge difference for former fighters who really needed to find their way. Talk to us about that, if you could. Well, you know, basically, you know, as, as being an athlete, we really, you know, it's our responsibility to help less worthy people, less people struggling with life and, and problems, and, and there's a lot of problems. And so we get a chance to play golf and, and raise money for kids and for adults and you know, FIST was a program that I kind of started with a bunch of great people to help fighters make the connection so that they could get out of the ring in time and not keep staying in there and taking shots that their body can't take anymore and find a way to find a career and a purposeful life in in their lives. And so we sat and we formed this foundation. We helped these guys go back to school. We put them in uh, drug programs, alcohol programs, or a therapy programs with their wives and all the troubles that were going on and then got them up to speed to be able to go back to work and have a productive life. Jerry, I have a confession to make. In 1984, I wanted to be Jerry Cooney. I wanted to be Irish. I wanted to have white trunks with a shamrock on the left leg. Thank you so much for that. 
Well, that's so nice of you to say. And you know what? Listen, I love people. That was one of my things. I grew up in one of those really difficult Irish Catholic. My father was a raging alcoholic. There was a lot of physical abuse. And so I kind of find my way. I had to bump against the wall and make mistakes and, and get up and come back and try and, you know, get get on my way. And, and so for me to be able to help kids today to turn the page and, and, and find a better way to not keep making the same mistakes, I mean, and to, you know, stop falling down in the middle of the road and getting up and doing it all over again was a great experience for me. And, and all the people that were around me, all the other great athletes, I mean, Larry Holmes was one of them. All football players, baseball players, basketball players, we all had this great camaraderie. And what was so great about it was that we got to hear stories from them and we shared stories and we got to hang around with people that were helping raise money to make life a little better for kids and adults and sicknesses. And, you know, listen, we all got to help each other out there a little bit. You know what I mean? It's time for Bob Zaney in this week's Zaney Report. Hey, it's time for the Zaney Report, brought to you by BobZaney.com. A new study has found one out of six smartphones are covered with fecal matter. The other five just have crappy reception. In Connecticut, a woman arrested for a DUI actually was drunk on vanilla extract. She promised the judge to never bake and drive again. And finally, let's end with some good news, bad news. Here's the bad news in Delaware. A tired musician who fell asleep in the back of his car woke up to his vehicle being carjacked and crashed into another car. Here's the good news. This is his first big hit. And there you have it on the Twitter, at Bob Zaney, Zaney Bob on the Instagram. Until next time, bay bay. Thanks, Bob. And welcome back to the 5-Minute Talk Show. Now, Mr. Cooney, if the Spinks and Foreman fights went differently for you, you might have had a shot to fight Mike Tyson. I mean, talk to us about that. Yeah, I wish I had somebody. After the home fight, I kind of I couldn't stand my managers. They hated each other. They didn't like. They kept me pulling me apart, and I drifted away. Then I got the Sphinx fight, but I was a pretty sick kid. I was drinking regularly. I wasn't right. taking care of myself. It took a year and a half for the fight to actually happen, and so I got I drifted away and got lost. And I went into that fight. There's no way in the world is Michael Spinks supposed to beat Jerry Cooney on any day where I'm halfway in good shape. And I got stopped that night. And unfortunately, you know, in part, it saved my life because uh, I, I, I grabbed a hold of myself. And as a matter of fact, it's funny you're calling me. This month, 31 years ago, was when I put down alcohol and drugs. 31 years ago. 31 years ago. So it's all good. Now, in a perfect world, if the Tyson fought happened, what would go down between you and Tyson if you guys ever got the chance to step in the ring and you were at the top of your game, he was at the top of his, what would have happened? Well, you know, they, they were talking to Tyson about me and Ernie Shavers were the biggest punches, and, and, and they asked him who would win. And you know what he said? Whoever landed first. <laughs> and, that's, and that's boxing. I mean, come on. So, listen, we both were big punchers. Uh, listen, it would have been a great experience. It would have been a phenomenal amount of money. and uh, But, you know, obviously God or my higher power took me a certain way. It didn't work out that way. But, listen, uh, great experiences. Uh, dusted off my pants, got up and moved on. And, and today I have a beautiful family, a great life. I'm on Sirius XM Radio. Like you said, I got a book coming out. 
I'm in the process of uh, coming out with a series on Netflix or Amazon where we travel to five or six cities a year, pick out the best talent, and and follow them around in their in their career, and hopefully uh, uh, have a great show. So a lot of great opportunity coming up. Just I guess when you get old, you become the next guy in line. Well, let me know when you get old, because as far as I'm concerned, you're immortal. I like that. You're my friend. Now, Jerry, you've been a part of some legendary TV shows, from The Late Show with David Letterman, Late Night with David Letterman, all the way to The Simpsons. What was your favorite thing that you accomplished outside the ring? You know what? All the people I met, and I mean celebrities as well as fans. Uh, by the way, the book is coming out in June, not until June. But uh, all of my experiences, I mean, listen... I, I've had so many great experiences. I mean, with Johnny Carson, Bob Hope, Frank Sinatra. I mean, people don't even remember those people anymore. But I got the opportunity to spend my time with them. Listen, The Simpsons was a great episode, too. It was a lot of fun. So, I mean, I traveled the world over and over again. Got to meet so many great people. And we left. We always left last. I was the guy that broke everybody's balls. But at the end, we all laughed and joked. And uh, that's been a great experience. For me, and uh, and uh, I mean, writing a book was so great to talk about all the rise and the fall and the rise again of Jerry Cooney's life and the people I met and the great times. And uh, and so, yeah, I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to have done that. Mr. Jerry Cooney, thank you so much once again for the time. Check out the book, Gentleman Jerry, A Contender in the Ring, A Champion in Recovery. That's sold at Amazon, barnesandnobles.com, anywhere books are sold. Also, check out Jerry on SiriusXM. Jerry, thank you so much for the time. You've been listening to the 5-Minute Talk Show. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and keep listening at 5minutetalkshow.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.